Oh my goodness, friends. Love is in the air. Love is in the air. I've heard it all morning, but did you know that? Love is in the air. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and yes, it's true. Love is in the air. John 3.16, if you know it, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Love is in the air. <clears throat> I'm so grateful, so grateful for that. Um, okay, so I'm not real used to this, but... Okay. Um, it is on. It's on. Are we good? Okay. Thank you. So thank you, God, for love, for his love for us. Every day and night, we can know that we are loved. Whether you're in relationship with anybody else or not, um, then you can know that you are loved by God. <clears throat> so we're so thankful for that. He loves us. I'm so thankful to be here this morning. I'm so privileged and honored and overwhelmed by God's goodness that he just lets me be up here to be able to share the word with you today. So happy to see so many of you. I want to um, dismiss our children's, um, our Kids City, our Spanish congregation, New Reality. You can be dis dismissed at this time to go to your places. Can we pray for just a second? <clears throat> Father God, we want to thank you for your great love. We ask that you would anoint this time with the power of your Holy Spirit to teach us and reach us today. Please open our minds to understand the scriptures. Please show us whatever it is that you want us to see today, God. And we submit to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're in the sixth um, week of our series the Covenant Community. We've heard from Josh and Juan and Jason about a better family, loving God together, loving God through his word, and loving each other as Jesus loves us. So today I want to talk about um, how to practice biblical community with each other. In other words, how to, how to love each other. I'd like to look at 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 21, and I'll, I'll read it. <clears throat> I want to take a look at this. This is the Apostle John, and he's writing to born-again followers of Jesus. Okay, so he's writing to children of God. And there's a lot of love in this talk here, in this passage. So don't let it just slip by you. I want you to recognize every, every time he mentions love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. <clears throat> Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. <clears throat> 
No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he is in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected within us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he loved us first. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. The Apostle John uses the word love 50 times in this short epistle of 1 John, depending on your translation. He mentions it 27 times in chapter 4 alone. When a writer uses a word repeatedly like this, he's trying to get a message across, right? He wants you to get it. I love to study inductively. If you've never heard of that, I, um, it's kind of a way to study scripture where you're not just reading it, but you're looking for things. And as you look for things, um, you begin to, things begin to jump out at you. You know, it, it just, the meaning begins to uh, come to light. I would love for you to do this if you have time, sometime at home. Read First John, and every time you see the word love, mark it in a distinctive way so you can recognize it. I usually take a, uh, I have these, oh, what are they called? Those, they're not colored pencils, but the little twistables, <laughs> twist, twistables, whatever. And I take a red heart and I put it over the word love every time I see it so I can spot it easily. You can highlight it, circle it, put a heart around it, whatever you want. Then make a list of all the things that you learned from that chapter about love. Also, I think you should um, look for contrasts in this particular book. You know, light, darkness, um, Truth, lies, in the Father, not of the Father. Keep an eye out for those things. There's really so much fun in doing it this way, and you can, it's, it's pretty eye-opening for you to be able to see what's, what the writer's trying to say in the scriptures. Also make it a point to notice, anytime you see the word God or Father, what do you learn about, about him? And Mark, every time you hear, you read the word Jesus, what do you learn about Jesus in that passage? So that's just something I like to do. Side note, homework for later, if you want to take that. It's amazing to see the emphasis that John has placed on love here in this book. Loving each other is very important to God. It's also a way that um, people can know us. It says a lot about us. I'm a person that loves to ask questions. 
especially why and how. Um, my husband's so funny. He's so patient with me, usually. If he's, explaining, if he's explaining something to me like the computer or something, you know, I'm always asking, well, why? Why do we have to do that? Or why does it do that? Or how can we, can't we, you know? And so he's learned to preface his explanation to me. And he goes, okay, now, Patty, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why we have to do this, but this is the way you have to do it. <laughs> Okay, okay. But I do want to take a moment to talk about and remind you why it is so important to love each other. Before we look at, at some uh, practical illustrations of how to. The first reason is because it is a command of God. Do you realize that when God tells us to, to love each other, it's not really just a, a lovely little, you know, suggestion? It's actually a command of God to us to love each other. 1 John 3, 23, and this is the commandment. We must believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded. Jesus said if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. John three sixteen. we just quoted it. We know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We should not say we love God if we don't love one another. We just read it. As he is, so we are in this world. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is actually one of the ways we can know we have eternal life, according to the word of God. 1 John 4, 16, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So it's important to love because it is a commandment of God. It also proves that we have eternal life. We belong to God. The second reason it's important to love is because we need each other. We need each other, and we're connected as believers. I want to attempt to help you see how closely we, we, uh, we are connected to each other and that we're actually in desperate need of each other. So I hope to illustrate this uh, through God's brilliance in nature. So let's see. There it is. Aren't they gorgeous? Do you know what they are? Yeah. You you people from Colorado, this is new for me, you know, a southern girl, Florida girl, knew nothing about the Aspens, but they are stunning, and they just blow my mind uh, as part of God's creation. So Ray and I took a trip to see the Aspens, <coughs> uh, the Aspen Groves in 2020, and I learned some things that I didn't know about them, and I was so fascinated by it. Aspen trees, they're the most numerous kind of tree in the, in the United States. I learned that a singular aspen is not the organism itself. The aspen grove is the singular organism. There's a deeply embedded root system that actually shoots up all of these aspens. The root system does it. So when you're looking at this, you're actually seeing a singular organism 
that supports and comes alongside, sharing nutrients with each other for the good of the grove. The taller trees are drinking in the sun and sending it down to the smaller trees. They get sun because of how tall the other trees are. The nutrients that are being pulled from the soil are being shot up to the highest trees. These aspen groves, groves are actually called clones. They're always growing, even in the winter. They defer nutrients to healthier trees to support the sicker ones. Are you getting all of this? Yeah. The largest grove known to man is in Utah, and it weighs 6,600 tons. It is a singular grove with a strong root system where the healthy support the weak, and nutrients are given to all for the good of the grove. Isn't that amazing? Like, I'm just blown away by God all the time. And this is exactly what God has purchased for us through Jesus Christ. Not only salvation and communion with him, but he has given us community. We get to have each other. We're so blessed. We have the same Savior. We're in the same family with God as our Father, and we have one another. We are connected to each other as a human body, and all the body parts are connected to each other. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this. I want to read it to you. For the body does not exist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Oh, that's so beautiful. Isn't God brilliant in all his ways? It is so important to be in relationship with each other in the family of God. We are actually in desperate need of each other, I'm convinced. We have a deep, desperate need of the different parts uh, of we have a desperate need of each other. We grow together, we hurt together, rejoice together, we enter into losses together in deep and, and abiding ways. Communion of saints, not just a connected group of saints. There's a big difference. 
Some of us didn't grow up experiencing real love. This can cause us to want to just isolate. Sometimes it may feel, you know what, it's just better to be by myself. Let me tell you that isolation is not good. I think it's a very dangerous place for us to be. This is one of the devil's tactics that he uses. He loves to isolate us because then we're just alone with our thoughts, and he, he, uh, he is able to, um, he tries to plant lies. And if we're just on our own, we're, we're more vulnerable. But we can all learn to love. We can learn to be loved as well. Do you know that we have everything we need to be able to love each other? We have the ability to do it. You have everything you need to love others. 1 John 4 says, The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that is in this world. The spirit of God gives us the power to love each other. Romans 8, 11, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. What more do we need, right? Is it difficult sometimes to love people? Oh, yes. If you live long enough. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes, I think so. But God, once again, helps us to deal with difficult people. Do you know he even teaches us how to love our enemies? I want you to check this out later. Luke chapter 6, in verses 27 and 28, God tells us what to do, how to uh, deal with difficult people in our lives, even enemies of of our lives. There's four things hidden in those two scriptures. I want you to notice four things he tells us to do. Um, I actually had to learn how to deal with difficult situations, uh, difficult people, and I'm just saying it right in my own family of origin, and I'm sure it's true probably for most of us. Um, And they've had to learn to deal with me too. Um, So sometimes these difficult people... Um, they may not be in our immediate family. They might be in our family of God. Oh, do you cringe a little bit? I think I have goosebumps going down my spine at the thought of that because, oh, we just don't want that. It's so hard. But I don't want you to be shocked that there may be difficult situations in our eternal blood family of Jesus. Choose to submit to God only, and he will help you love. We need to connect more deeply with people in our lives rather than living a detached and disconnected life. The healthiest Christians I know are in church. I believe God is drawing attention to the subject and forming this in us right now as a body of believers at Providence Bible Church. We miss out on so much when we loosely connect instead of deeply commune. We miss out on members of the body of Christ exercising their gifts on our behalf. Do you know all of, our, all of us as believers have been given gifts from God? And these gifts are not meant for us. They're meant for each other. So they miss out on receiving gifts from you when you're not here. The Bible talks about this. It's trying to function 
without each other. And, and it's kind of like um, we're missing parts of our body when we're not together. We need the support of each other to get through this life. God designed it this way for really good reasons. I like to call it life support. <laughs> we need this life support, literally. Dear women, we need this. Dear men, you need this. Let's think about some practical ways to love each other. Love can look like many things, right? Many, many things, different scenarios. But keep in mind that it's going to cost you something. A smile, a kind gesture, a listening ear, your presence, a meal, an errand, money, time, child care. A ride, a surprise, a card, a call, a text, an email, and God help us, maybe even a handwritten note once in a while. And there's many other things, of course. I want to share a practical illustration from my personal life of how I have experienced love from my community here at Providence Bible Church during a very difficult time in my life. My husband's already crying. On March 21st in 2018, I was shocked and surprised as I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I wanted to be open with you, my church family, about this. And I strongly sensed um, that God was going to teach all of us something it wasn't just for me. As I was preparing this message, God revealed to me that it has come full circle. Next month will be four years since that diagnosis. And God has not only graciously raised me up and healed me, but I believe he has ordained that I be up here today to talk about this subject to, to reveal some of the things that God wants us to know as a body right now for such a time as this in our body about loving each other. Father, may we get it. Help us get it. Ray and I shared the news with the church on a Sunday morning, and Jason called the church up front and gathered around us and, and prayed. There it is. <laughs> that morning, they prayed for me. And from that moment on, they began to demonstrate what love looks like to me. Love that I've never experienced in a church body before. Not like this. We had to make many very difficult and scary decisions. This body of believers prayed for me and continued a long year and a half of serving me in love. After the diagnosis, I was talking to the Lord as I woke up one morning and I was Saying, saying to him, Lord, I'm going to need your help. You know, I didn't know anything that was coming. I didn't know anything that I would have to go. I didn't know if I needed surgery. We didn't know anything at that point. But I just said, God, I'm going to need your help. I, I want to go through this not terrified, not so afraid, you know, as I was at that moment. And I want to honor you in this. I want to bring you glory. I want to hear from you 
throughout this time. So I was asking for his help um, at that that morning. And as while I was asking God for his help, a friend texted me, my phone on my nightstand, and I grabbed it, and it was from Rochelle. You got to you? Where is she? Benson? Is she with the kiddos? She's in the nursery. Okay. She's here. And she sent me a text, and she said, Hi, Patty, I, j- I was just thinking about you, and I wanted to send you this verse. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Yes, I memorized that right away. I started crying, thanking the Lord for directly answering my prayer for help in such a direct way right while I was asking him. So as I'm, I'm crying and thanking him, I got another text. So I checked it out, and it's from my uh, oldest daughter, Jenny, who lives in Atlanta. All of our children live in Atlanta except um, our youngest, Rayanne, who lives here. She is here somewhere. She, I mean, she's here. <laughs> You're checking my memory. Yes, Patty, you do have a daughter that lives here. <laughs> anyway, my daughter, Jenny, and this is what the text said. Hi, Mom. I was just thinking about you, and I wanted to send you this verse. Isaiah 41:13. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Now I'm really crying. Ray hears me. He was out, out of the room, and he comes running in. What's wrong? Are you okay? Are you okay? So I shared with him what was going on, and now we're both crying and thanking the Lord for his goodness. The next morning, I woke up, and I reached for a devotional that I, that I had at the time that I was reading, and I turned to that day's uh, page, and what do you think was there? Isaiah 41, 13, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Now I'm laughing and crying, and I'm saying, okay, God, I hear you, I see you, and I will believe you. He also gave me a vision of what it looked like for him to hold my hand, how he was holding my hand, and it was just like this. It was a clasp. He was holding my hand. And so from that day, through every test, every procedure, every surgery, everything I went through, my hands were clasped like that, just as a visual and a reminder that God is with me, and he said he's going to help me, and he is. Oh, he's so good. God also gave me a word early on in this journey before I knew anything that was going to happen. In prayer one day, he said, all things will be made new for you in the spring. And I'm like, okay. I knew it was the Lord. And I was thinking, okay, does he mean I'm going to be with him in the spring? And I was like, you know, I got this streak of excitement. I was, or did he just mean I was going to be healed by spring? I didn't know. And I didn't ask. I just trusted him. It was very profound for me. When Ray and I got to the hospital early one morning to have a particular procedure done, Inga Cook was already there at the hospital before we got there. She had already been there about 30 minutes, and she was praying over that room, over the room I was going to be in, over the people that were going to be 
taken care of me, over me. And uh, I was stunned and shocked. I was just like, wow. You know, what love, right? Before they took me back, she got down on her knees in front of me and took me by my hands, and she prayed specifically for me. When I had my surgery, people showed up in the waiting room. I didn't know it, but they were there to help and support Ray, and some of you are in this room. After recovery from surgery, I had to begin um, chemotherapy treatments. I continued to work during chemo at first until I became too sick and I could no longer work. Um, Okay, brace yourself, okay? (laughs) I had to shave my head. I started losing my hair. And you know what? As much as I love makeup and being female, this shaving my head was the least of my concerns. I was fine. I was totally fine with it. So I said, let's have some fun uh, to my hairdresser, Caroline. Can we just have some fun? I just, I just, you know, I've just always wanted a mohawk. I, I don't know where. I think it comes back from my pre-Jesus days as a, a hippie and a wild girl. But, you know, and, and I started to kind of like it. And uh, my son Joe and his wife Meg flew in to be with, be with us. And they were there. And I could see Joe. He was like, as I started looking at him, I'm like, hmm, you know, I kind of like this. He's like, uh, okay, let's, let's keep going, you know, let's keep going. He's afraid I was going to get just stuck there, and now I'm going to have a mohawk from now on. But I kind of like it. <clears throat> and then uh, I did buy two wigs, and um, I wore one wig the first day to work, and it bugged me all day. I just couldn't do it. You women that wear wigs, I just love you. I want to do it. I want, I want to, but maybe one day. But the next day, I decided bald is better, and I just went on to work that way. Um, I continued to work, but then, as I said, I had to to stop halfway because I got really sick. Um, I had to be hospitalized for two large blood clots on my lungs and some unknown infection that they never did figure out. After a few days of being in the hospital... Things were not looking too good. Jason came to visit me, and when he walked in the room, he took one look at me, and his, I saw his face turn white, just psh, And all he could say was, oh, Patty. Toward the end of our visit, he asked, could I vis- videotape you giving a message to the church? And as I think back on it now, I thought, did he think like I just wasn't coming back? Like... <laughs> Did he think a final message to the church? I'm like, but it didn't cross my mind then. But, um, but um, I told him, no, I didn't want to do that because I looked so bad. And I was afraid that you guys would think I was dying. I really didn't know how sick I was. Moments after Jason left, they came in and, and sent me to ICU. And I was in critical condition. While there... My daughter, Rachel, showed up. She lives in Atlanta with all our other kids, like I said. She didn't even tell us she was coming. We're in there, and she just walks in the room, and we're like, you know, it's that moment where you think, okay, wait a minute, where am I? You know, is she here, or what's happening? Um, But Ray and I just sobbed when we saw her. We were so thankful. There she is. It's my Rachel. 
and there I am at my sickest. Uh, um, but we were so thankful. After several days there in ICU, a blood transfusion drugs, really good care, they sent me back to the oncology floor. I sent Ray and Rachel home that night because they really needed rest, and I felt better. So that night, while they were gone, things turned bad again. It was a long night. Ray arrived early the next morning, and we were so discouraged. I sat on the edge of the bed with my breakfast tray in front of me, and Ray was on the other side of the tray, and we prayed together through tears. And, and I remember my husband said, please, God, send us strength and encouragement today. And as soon as we said amen, Rachel walked in, and just moments behind her for effect, our two granddaughters walked in, and her, Rachel's husband, Chris, our son-in-law. There's my two beautiful grandbabies, and there's Chris. And we were stunned. It meant so much to us. We were all, ball, you know, we're balling again, right? Just meant so much. And Chris, Chris is my son-in-law. Rachel's little, little bitty. Chris is a 300-pound solid rock man with a booming voice. And he said to me, he said, we want you to know that we want you to keep fighting. And we are fighting with you. And we wanted you to see what you're fighting for. It was so encouraging to me. I went home two days later. Amen. Praise be to God, yes. It was a long and hard recovery after I got home. I was actually wearing a mask before masks were cool. <laughs> Do you believe it? A mask. That doctor told me she was very strict with me, and she said, uh, if, because she was going to release me, she said, I will release you, but you have to wear a mask if you're around anybody. I'm like, a mask? And she's, yes, you have to wear a mask. If anybody comes into your house, they have to wear a mask too. Katie, Joel, Lauren, many of you came in with your mask on. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I left the house to go to the doctor's office, she said, you've got to wear a mask. Ray has to wear a mask. I had no immunity at that point. I was on oxygen and told to go back to the ER for fluids and medicine numerous times while I was trying to recover. I was almost admitted back into the hospital four different times. Ugh, blah, 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 this story. Mm. There's a, a method to my madness. Please follow along. Are you catching the love shown to me throughout this process? The church body continued to shower me with love and support, even though they couldn't be with me. I received so many cards, uh, so many flowers. Um, this is my dear friend, my best friend in Atlanta, on my couch. She's so sweet. She came and spent the week. And then she just one day she said, Patty, I want you to get comfortable um, because I'm going to anoint you and pray over you and massage you at the same time. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she started with my head and she ended with my feet with frankincense. And she massaged my bald little head and prayed over me, weeping with tears. She massaged my hands. I was like, oh, glory. <laughs> like, 
how long can we do this? You know, how long are you staying? She said, I'll do this every day that I'm here. And she did. It was love. It was love. I got so many text messages and messages. And Sarah, Sarah Root and the kiddos, look. Look what they did. They're so sweet. They, she had them put their handprints, and then she wrote what they told her to write to me. Yes, so sweet. And, and then she sent me a video with all of them sitting on the floor, and they were singing a song for me. Jesus loves Patty, this I know. It was so sweet, so precious. I, could not, I told the elders, I cannot feel more loved through this whole thing. I could not have felt more loved. There was an abundance of meals steady coming for us. I felt the prayers of God's people, and I'm so grateful. While I was still trying to remain at home and praying that I wouldn't have to go back to the hospital, Ray was, we were in the living room, and Ray heard something outside, so he stepped outside to see what was going on. And when he came back in the door, in tears, he said, Patty, they're putting up a tent, a 24-hour prayer vigil for you because I was on the verge of going back in the hospital. And so now we're both crying again. I mean, we're just crybabies all the time. I mean, look at him. <laughs> oh, look, there's the tent. And they put up a sign, um, pray for Patty, and they had... The hours of the 24 hours and names were in there. The shifts they were taking. It was just such a beautiful sight. And it was freezing cold, as you can see, snow on the ground. And these dear people were out there in shifts day and night praying for me. I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Ray brought out a heater of ours to try and help them <laughs> stay warm as they huddled around the heater with their coats and hats and scarves and blankets. And they were out there praying for me all night and day, and I was inside praying for them. That was that big sign up there that uh, Gloria did that, that sign. So thoughtful. They also had a notebook inside the tent, and they wrote notes to me as they were in there praying, whatever the Lord gave them or whatever they wanted me to know, such expressions of love. I have all of these things. Every note, every little piece of paper, the big sign, I have everything, and these are treasures to me of the love of God through his people. The next morning, they sent me to the ER again. As Ray and I were heading out the front door uh, for that appoint appointment, he was, he's carrying my oxygen tank, and I'm hanging on to his arm. I'm so weak, going up the few steps that we have. We were very quiet because we knew there were people in that tent. As I walked by, I had to look. I glanced to my left, and I saw the people in there huddled up with each other, um, and I could hear them praying for me. It's embedded in my mind, and I will never forget that expression of love. That's just a brief picture in there. I began to heal. I remember exactly when I moved from trying to survive to recovery. 
God raised me up. By the next spring, I was back at work. Just like God had, pr- had promised, all things were made new. Yes, God. Hallelujah, yes. God in his faithfulness, his faithfulness. Um, so I'm so grateful. I was so overwhelmed by God and all he had brought me through and his faithful. And there's so many things that I have no time to tell you. So many stories, so many words from the Lord, so many things he taught me about healing, so many things he taught me about love. I had to celebrate. As I began to recover, I started, my wheels were spinning. And I'm thinking, you know, I love celebrations, by the way. If you have a party, please invite me. I would hate to invite myself and just show up. (laughs) I love to celebrate. My family knows it. Birthdays are a big, hairy deal for me. Okay? I'm so glad you were born. We're going to celebrate. Every holiday, anything. Right now, I've got Valentine decorations at my house. I just love to celebrate stuff. So being so overwhelmed by God's goodness, I planned a celebration uh, where, where... we could be with people again. It's like after COVID, you know, I wanted to be with you guys so bad. And so we had a celebration, and Juan and Courtney helped so much. And um, Ray and I walked our neighborhood with flyers, and giving we gave them to all our neighbors that we knew and didn't know. And we just went everywhere. Hey, come to the celebration, you know, bring a dish, you know. So we had a celebration in front of our yard with live music from the Confluence band that my daughter sings with, a bouncy house, uh, tons of food, dancing, uh, testimonies. I got to share my story and the love of God. Uh, Oh, look, there's another picture. That's the last day of radiation. Uh, We celebrated that. And there's a celebration. There were over 100 people there out front. And there's a bouncy house. Um, There's the stage. And to end the celebration, we had balloons, helium balloons for everybody. And I made these um, tags, these verses that were attached to the balloon. And they were all verses of praise to God for his goodness. So everybody picked a balloon with a verse. And then at the end, all together, we let those balloons go up as a, as a celebration of praise to God for his goodness and his faithfulness, his mercies. You know, I just think that sometimes we forget to celebrate. Like, how could we do that? I know. But we do. We forget to do that. You know, we pray about something earnestly, right? Sometimes for a long time. And then he answers our prayers, and we're so grateful. And we thank him. But then it's just gone. It's over too fast, I think, you know. Even in scriptures, there's, there's um, you know, Ebenezer's. There's, um, there's rocks of remembrances, you know. We need to remember God's goodness to us. It was everything I envisioned. There are many, many ways that the church body of brothers and sisters ministered love to me. So many things that I have no time to tell you. But you know what? Boy, I think it was some kind of expensive love that was shown to me. Expensive love. The definition of expensive love involving high price 
or sacrifice. As I bring this to a close, thank you for your grace in letting me share my story. I know it's not maybe not the typical on a Sunday morning, but the point is <laughs> um, I have an invitation for you. If you are not a part of a local body of believers, you need to be. You need to be. We need you, and you need us. So I want to invite you to be to come and join us here at Providence Bible Church. We would love to have you as a part of our family here. Why Providence? Well, I think as I've shown you, we take love seriously around here. We take it very seriously. That's why we, we refer to ourselves as covenant partners, not just church members. We have entered into a, a relationship together as a body of believers. Now, we're committed to each other and to grow together um, as believers. But we're not flawless. We're not a flawless group of people. God knows it. You know it. And I know it. <laughs> no church is, right? But love is something that we don't do perfectly. It is something that we grow in together. If you don't have a church to call home, we invite you to come in, in and join us. Our doors, our arms are open to you. We want you. As our prayer team comes forward, please, I want you to come forward too. If you want to join with this body of believers here, come forward and we will greet you. If you just need somebody to pray with uh, this morning, something on your heart, something on your mind, that you need someone else to enter into with you in prayer, please come up. We love to pray around here. If you're just unsure about whether you even belong to God or not, are you a, a, a part of the family of God? Please come up and talk to us, and we'll help you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your love. God, thank you that uh, your love is like no other love we've ever known here on this earth. Your love is unflawed. You love us with an everlasting love, and we are so grateful for your love. Thank you, Father, that you loved us first. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're so grateful. Thank you for such a love, God. We want you to know that we love you. We want to follow you. We seek you in our lives. Um, we acknowledge you in all our ways. We acknowledge you in this, in this message this morning about love and, and demonstrations of love. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the head and we are the body. Oh, I love your word. I love your word, how you explain this to us, God, and how we need each other and how you lead us through the power of your spirit. Thank you that you didn't leave us alone in this world to fend for ourselves. Thank you that we have the Holy Spirit in us who helps us and leads us. And Father God, you take hold of our right hand. Thank you for that. Thank you that we have each other as well uh, to do life with, the good, the bad. But God, thank you. Thank you for it. So God, May you minister life to our hearts, and those who need to come, will you encourage them and hold their hand. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.